Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening where we are set to continue our exploration into these uh, nine keys. We are in the eighth key, and what I mean by key is a principle that might have us uh, praying better in response to that question, can you pray for me, or can you pray for my friend, or can you pray for this particular situation that I find myself in? All of us get that question, can you pray for me, all the time. So I thought it would help us to take a step back and to just kind of reflect into the many things we ought to be thinking about when we hear that question, can you pray for me? So what have we been talking about here on the radio over the past four months? Well, in these nine keys, first, pray in the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is the protagonist of all good prayer. This is what Romans chapter 8, verses 25 and following remind us, right? The Holy Spirit prompts our heart to pray, and so it is we first pray in the Spirit. Second, we pray in faith, that great faith of the Roman centurion who said, Lord, just say the word and I shall be healed. What did our Lord say to that? <laughs> in all of Israel, I have not seen this kind of faith. So we pray in faith. Faith is a door that we walk through. Third, we pray from the heart. The heart is the locus, the center of the human person. It is where all of our decision-making starts, right? The heart. So we pray from the heart. Fourth, we talked about that key of praying fervently. To pray fervently is to pray with intensity. Fervor comes from a Latin word that means a fire, essentially, okay? So fifth, we have the call to pray on the spot. Don't waste time, right? Because you, you don't know if the next hour is guaranteed. So if someone comes to you requesting your prayers, just pray with them right then and there. Huh? Sixth, pray with specifics. Be intentional. Be detailed. Huh? I'm a father, and when my children come to me with their very specific requests, I know then how to better respond. So pray with specifics. Be real. Uh, seventh, pray in friendship. God calls us friend. And so if we are not in friendship with God, how can we even begin to know to enter into that more dynamic listen-response relationship with God, right? So pray in friendship with God. And our eighth key is to pray in thanksgiving and really to pray in thanksgiving and praise to God. Now, what's unique to this eighth key is that in all the other keys— we broke up each reflection into two parts. This is our third part because I just, well, had a little bit more to say on this one. So let us talk a little bit more about praying and thanksgiving to God. Remember what this key was all about a few weeks ago. Friends say thank you. To pray and thanksgiving to God is to express gratitude for the immensity of his revelation, right? Natural and divine. And how do we do this? But by continually offering up sacrifices of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And as 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 reminds us, we pray this way in all circumstances, 
for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So my dear friends, by acknowledging his name, we recognize God's movement in all that we say and do. What did I just say about the role of the Holy Spirit? The role of the Holy Spirit in our prayer is about how the Holy Spirit inspires us, moves our heart. And so, yeah, we recognize God's movement in all that we say and do, which at the very least, my friends, suggests what, but that we have been looking for him in all that we say and do. Acknowledging his name is prayer because it is the taking notice of God's revelation in our life. Recall, prayer is conversation with God where we begin to pay more attention to God, where we begin to pay closer attention to God. The more we pay attention to God, the more we will praise his name with our lips in all circumstances, huh? God is moving. God is revealing. And the question that I posed to you a few weeks ago is, do we see him? And moreover, do we thank him? Now, the author to the letter to the Hebrews does not just stop at calling for the prayer of thanksgiving, but also encourages the recipients of the letter to pray for him and his fellow ministers. And this is why this is our eighth key as it relates to prayer of intercession. Listen to Hebrews 13, verses 18 to 19. Pray for us, the author says. We are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you very soon. Huh? Pray with us. So pray with gratitude, the author exhorts. And as you do, intercede on behalf of me and my fellow ministers, he encourages. My dear friends, our prayer of petition should always be swept up with our prayer of gratitude. And it will be if we choose to live a life in the virtue of gratitude. In many respects, I think we could say to practice the prayer of thankfulness is to practice the virtue of gratitude, right? For it is in the practice of gratitude that the habit of being thankful in prayer comes by much easier. I remember, virtue speaks to what but habit, good habits. Now, what's interesting about our reflection into thanksgiving is that it should touch us in some way, shape, or form. Why? Because we have a holiday devoted to it, right? As a nation... We have learned to practice this virtue of gratitude quite well, at least for one day. (laughs) On Thanksgiving Day, what do we do? We come together to celebrate family life. We gather around the dinner table to pray, to eat, and if you're anything like the whole Kraft family, to tell stories about our favorite memories growing up. On Thanksgiving Day, we play ball games and board games, making memories for future Thanksgiving Day storytelling time, huh? Typically, on Thanksgiving Day, we give to those who have less because we appreciate on that particular day that we what but have more. On Thanksgiving Day, for people of faith, we celebrate God's revelation maybe with uh, greater vigor. Greater vigor than usual because we are a little more grateful on Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day, my friends, is a Not holiday, but holy day, right? Because it is the day we express our gratitude for who we are and what we have in in faith, family, and friends, and ultimately, too, what we can do for others. I think we could say that Thanksgiving Day is a taking stock into the wonderful, wonderful world of gratitude. But the question I pose to you is, what if... It was more than just one day. What if we were called to live Thanksgiving Day 365 days a year? What if Thanksgiving Day was your way of life? 
What if it was the way of prayer and quintessential to how we better intercede on behalf of others? Brothers and sisters, Christ desires that we be grateful in season and out of season. What does Jesus have to say about all this? Well, when Jesus healed the ten lepers and only one returned giving thanks to God, what did Jesus do? He started to look around him, near and far, I'm sure, searching out for the other nine. Were there not ten cleansed? Strange, I'm sure he thought. (laughs) I just transformed the lives of ten lepers and only one returned to say thank you. My dear friends, at the very least, when God has done something extraordinary for you, we should say thank you. And at the very most, we ought to give thanks, counting our blessings, taking stock into who we are, what we have in faith, family, and friends, and not only what we can do for others, but as we do it, what we do for God. Certainly we could say this, taking stock in the life that shoots out from it is the way of gratitude, the way of prayer as we begin to, once again, pay closer attention to God. I think here we ought to say that when we offer up prayers of gratitude, what we are doing is releasing a kind of loveliness and graciousness over our prayer. Now, that is what the word gratitude means, by the way, to release loveliness, to release grace. Isn't that beautiful? To say thank you is to release loveliness, is to release graciousness. So, for example, when we pray for a friend's daughter who has been diagnosed with cancer, we offer up words, very specific words of intercession for our friend's daughter who has been diagnosed with cancer. And as I've noted in the past, do things like fast as the Spirit leads. But as we do this, we also offer up prayers of thanksgiving for the gift of our faith, the gift of the cross, and the gift of our friend and her daughter. As a father, my heart is always deeply moved when my children say, what but thank you. If I am moved in my finite fatherhood, then we can be assured God's heart is moved exponentially more as God the Father, the Divine Father. The Divine Father smiles over all situations that express thanksgiving. And as he smiles, what does he do? But he releases a kind of graciousness a kind of loveliness over the the whole of our prayer. You see, gratitude is what we call efficacious in theological circles, which is to simply mean gratitude has the power to produce the desired effect that our prayer longs for. And ultimately, the deeper understanding that is compatible with God's will. This is the power of saying thank you. So it is, I pose to you a question, and and one that I pose to myself, quite frankly. How is it (laughs) that one of the more important things we can do in life, saying thank you and expressing our gratitude, has emerged as one of the more difficult things to do in life? Maybe you are holding a grudge. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as the good Lord has reminded me, (laughs) if you are holding a grudge... Do not neglect it. Address it. What does Jesus say? Before you go to the altar, reconcile with your brother or sister in Christ. Huh? Jesus does not hold grudges. The virtue of gratitude is 
more free. And really, maybe better said, set free when you stop holding grudges. God wants our gratitude because he wants our continuing friendship, which enables him to lavish us with additional gifts. We all know how easy it is to be ungrateful. Get caught up with a preoccupation, right? There's a reason why Jesus says what he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not be worried. Do not be anxious. As I've said before, you translate that Greek, do not be preoccupied. Oh, how easy it is to be preoccupied with ourselves. Oh, how easy it is to forget our benefits as well as our benefactors. St. Bernard of Clairvaux says, Ingratitude is a searing wind which dries up the springs of pity, the dew of mercy, the streams of grace. Powerful quote. Brothers and sisters, ingratitude leads to spiritual isolation. Therefore, gratitude, which is a triumph over selfishness and isolation, is most pleasing to God. Commentators on gratitude often turn to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, You read up on the virtue of gratitude, and many commentaries will turn their attention to Abraham Lincoln. And so it is. (laughs) We'll close a reflection this evening with a turning to Abraham Lincoln. In 1863, during the American Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln was deeply concerned that America no longer seemed gratefully disposed to her creator. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) So in order to remind his fellow countrymen of their need to thank God and reestablish their friendship with him, he proclaimed a national day, get this, my friends, of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. On that day, President Lincoln stated that although Americans had been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven, they have forgotten God. This is what he said. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Gosh, does this sound familiar. He goes on, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. My dear friends, Lincoln's understanding of the importance of gratitude, I think we can all agree, was quite profound. What did he understand, among many other things, (laughs) that a weakened relationship with God would inevitably mean a weakened relationship with neighbor. Does not the Civil War itself provide ample testimony to this fact? Enter into that deeper relationship that we call friendship with God and pray those words, thank you. Amen? Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, The website is joeholcraft.org.
www.ontheroad.org.